This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. Hi, everyone. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson here at the Oxner Sports Performance Center in Metairie. Hope this Wednesday finds you well. Filling in for Sean Kelly, who is in Charlotte, North Carolina, getting ready for the Pelicans and Hornets tonight. A quick one-game road trip out east. Then the Pelicans will be back for three games starting on Friday against the Houston Rockets. We have a lot to get to on today's show. We'll cover both the Saints and the Pelicans. For the Saints, there's a lot going on. Even though their season is over, the Senior Bowl has started. The practices began yesterday in Mobile, Alabama at Ladd People Stadium. And we'll get a report from Sean Fazan of Fox 8 Sports about what's going on with these three practices, gearing up for Saturday's game there in Mobile. Also, the NFC, the Pro Bowl is starting to get underway from Orlando, Florida. John DeShazer has touched down in Orlando. We'll talk to him on Friday's show, but practices begin today as the NFC takes on the AFC there in Orlando, Florida. And so we'll talk about that stuff later on in our show. And, of course, as I mentioned, it is a game day for the Pelicans as they'll take on the Charlotte Hornets. Surprisingly, that we have not seen the Charlotte Hornets this season. They're the last team the Pelicans have not seen. So we look forward to seeing what they have in store for us tonight. And, of course, it's a Wesley Wednesday. So David Wesley's back at his own stopping grounds in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm sure Sean and David will chat from a coffee shop nearby. And we'll go back out to Charlotte and hear from them in just a few moments so the pelicans are looking for three games three wins in a row remember they haven't had a four game winning streak yet if they win tonight they'll do that they'll look to get that four game winning streak on friday in a big game against the houston rockets but tonight it starts in charlotte north carolina uh where uh the hornets have been playing pretty well recently of course kemba walker they're leading the way dwight howard named the all-star team yesterday so not an easy task tonight against the hornets and david and sean We'll get you ready for that. So we will start with them next, and then we'll hear from Sean Fazan of Fox 8 Sports. We'll take you out to Charlotte in just a few moments. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. What is big? Big is Drew Holiday. Red hot from the perimeter and ice at the foul line. Big is DeMarcus Cousins, a 6'11 defensive flamethrower that vaporizes man-on-man coverage. Big is Anthony Davis, a laser-guided missile of athleticism aimed at the rim. Come see the Pels in a Southwest Division matchup against Chris Paul, James Harden, and the Houston Rockets. Friday, January 26th. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans. Do it big. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. It's the Pelicans and the Hornets from the Spectrum Center tonight in Charlotte, North Carolina. Of course, it's also a Wesley Wednesday. David Wesley back at his old stomping grounds in Charlotte, North Carolina, where he used to play for the Charlotte Hornets and also the New Orleans Hornets back when the Pelicans were 
not the Pelicans. But right now, let's go out to Charlotte inside a undisclosed coffee shop where David and Sean usually reside when the Wesley Wednesday takes us on the road. Sean, take it away, my friend. All right, Daniel, thank you very much. Yep, we found a coffee shop here on the road, and we're in a city where David Wesley pays for nothing. I mean, nothing. Welcome to Charlotte. Welcome home, David Wesley, I guess in some ways. I know Texas is your home in Louisiana, but there's a piece of you here in Charlotte, too. I, I love this place. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm always going to have um, a special place in my heart for this, uh, this city. And, um, you know, I, I, my niece still lives here. My mom still lives near here. Uh, saw them last night. So, great city. They're going to celebrate 30 years of basketball, NBA basketball, on the say. I think next season. Can you believe that? It's cr- it's crazy to think. You know, it, uh, you know when this team came, it, you know the the new colors and everybody got behind them, and you know they they really, I mean, they were selling out one of the biggest arenas in the league at the time because people were just gotta have it. And uh, the whole time I was here, it was like that. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, the fans are great. The basketball was great. And, you know, shortly after that, they got a football team. And now they're a sports city. <laughs> when, when you think back, other than the size of the crowd, because, man, that old Charlotte Coliseum held a lot of people. What do you remember most about playing in that old barn? Because that's basically what it was. Uh, you know, I, I, it was just great. You know, it was, it was fairly new uh, at the, when I played here. Um, I was surprised I got rid of it you know, somewhat quickly, um, but with a new team, getting it downtown, it's obviously better. It's more, you know, uh, located where people kind of get to and there's more stuff to do around it out there where the other Coliseum was. It was like nothing out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was uh, Jock and Jill's across the street, and that was pretty much it. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a better location, better for the community. and um, But it was, it was a great place. I mean, I, you know. I loved it. Yeah. You know, they, they built that old Coliseum basically for the ACC tournament. And so they wanted a ton of people in there. And I can't help but think, David, you know, Indiana always talks about their basketball heritage, rightfully so, because of the high school side of it. Sure. But, man, North Carolina, its basketball heritage is as strong as anybody else in the country. If you, I, I think you'd agree with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they got uh, great colleges, uh, great high schools. Um, you know, one sports team, uh, you know, I, I think it's as good for basketball as, as Indiana. Maybe not, you know, better than Indiana, but, uh, you know, I certainly think it would be in that conversation. Um, um, you know, but when you think about uh, basketball, you might think more like, you know, an old school New York, you know, when they used to play outside, Rucker Park, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but. Indiana than here, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah. So. Uh, full disclosure, by the way, David Wesley did pay for his own dinner last night. I don't want anybody to think that I <laughs> threw that out there and that just was completely truth. Let's talk about these Pelicans. Well, hello. They've won five of their last six, and we're coming off of one of the craziest games I can remember, maybe ever, that I've been a part of in that win the other night against Chicago in double overtime. It was it was a lot of drama. You know, and this team has been a lot of drama. I mean, there's been some, you know, make sure your ticker's working because they're going to keep you on the edge of your seats. And what a, what a great game. Uh, great game to watch. Being down 
17, as much as 18, but 17 in the fourth quarter and come all the way back. And, and you know, it's funny. I kept saying you could see Drew pick up his defensive intensity. You could see everybody starting to move with some energy. And I said, well, if they keep this up, they might be able to get back. Because this is the way they need to play defense, as close to 48 minutes as possible. Right. I said, but can they last? Can they continue this? But the thing about basketball is momentum is a great thing. And once you start getting closer, Chicago started hearing footsteps. And they didn't necessarily have to play perfect. They just had to get the rebound then because got, Chicago got kind of tight uh, going down the stretch. So, you know. Great win, you know. Uh, yeah, I kept saying, if this team could win seven out of ten, well, they won seven out of ten, eight out of eleven. You know, those kind of stretches. They need those to create that separation. They've done that. They've created a little bit of separation, and they're not just at that hanging on spot. I mean, it could go either way in a game or two, yeah. but they're significantly in a good position in the playoff picture and. This is where you want to be. I guess I don't think about this enough, and I'm referring to the game against Chicago. Justin Holiday misses the one free throw in three chances. The game goes overtime. He also, I think, same guy, hit a sideline jumper that was ruled a three on the floor and changed back to a two right there. Uh, it makes you think about the value of every possession and maybe even every free throw opportunity in the NBA game right now. It's, it's am I over-dramatizing, as I always do in our visits, the value of every single thing, the razor's edge that this league can be sometimes? I, I at one point in my career, would have thought so when I was a player. Okay. When I got to, to Houston, played for Van Gundy, he was huge about that. He, I mean, he would go back to technicals, miss free throws, miss assignments, one possession. There's a difference in a lot of games. And, you know, like you said, Justin's three turns into a two. He misses a free throw. That's two points. That, with those two points, you lose. So, or with one of those two, you lose. Yeah. Um, so, you know, th those are the kind of things that, that Jeff used to point out. Like, don't get a technical. Let me get them when I feel they're necessary. But... We're not just going to give away possessions. And last night, or the other night, it was a prime example of how important each and every point, each and every possession can turn out to be at the end of the game. Now, it doesn't always come down to that, but when it does, I'm certainly they'll be looking at, well, this possession, that situation, we could have done different, and maybe they win the game. What do you say about the Cousins' performance the other night? It almost leaves you speechless. I, I mean, and again, you you use all that energy to come back. You get back in the game, you go into overtime, and your best player fouls out. But you got another one. You got you got another one in the holster. Let me let me get that other one out of here because he's pretty doggone good too. And he didn't just continue to ball. He was playing winning basketball. I mean, he was not just keep putting up numbers. He was going to get rebounds. He was 
getting buckets. He was inside. He was bumping and grinding. That's the way I love to see him play. And, of course, when I, when I think of him playing like that, I think he's virtually unstoppable. You just hope he's having a bad night. And did it all. You know, you go out and get a triple-double that's not just a triple-double, but a triple-double that hasn't been done in since 68 or something like that. Wilt in 68. That's... That's a lot of years. That's a lot of players. And, you know, I was thinking about this in my room. There are so many thousands of players that have never scored 40 in a game. There's probably just as many that have never gotten even close to 20 rebounds in a game. And there are thousands of big men who will never see 10 assists in a game. He put it all together in one game and got a win in triple overtime, uh, double overtime game. Yeah, 51 minutes of play. And then the strength coach said, you want to go have a lift after the game? You heard his comment about that. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. He said, he said the strength coach came up to him after the game, and they do a recovery lift quite a bit after games. Boogie said, if I had the strength, I would have fought him right then <laughs> and there. And, 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 I, and I, can, I get that. My, my – um, my career high in minutes played was in a triple overtime, 62 minutes, uh, which means I played every minute of the game. Yeah. And I was playing against Damon Stoudemire, who screen, screen, shoot, screen, screen, shoot, offensive rebound, give it right back to him, screen, screen, shoot. It was all night nonstop. I think he played 60 minutes of that game. And so it was a constant go all night long. And – I wish somebody would <laughs> come up and ask me, do I want to do anything after that? I want to go just sit down somewhere. I think Damon and you had the same body type, too. I think you both – you were like fire hydrants when you both played. You guys were very similar in stature. Yeah, uh, he was a little bit shorter, but, I mean, just bowling ball and very good with the handle, shoot any shot. And, you know, if, if you remember, it was pretty much Stoudemire and a bunch of rebounders. Get it back to him and yeah. do it again. And like good screeners, and so you had to fight over and hope your big is up, and and all those kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was it was quite the battle. <laughs> By the way, Cousins is still sitting on eight technical fouls. He hadn't had one in a long time. Kevin Durant right now is making Demarcus Cousins look like a choir boy. You saw he got tossed for the fourth time this season last night. Boogie's changed a little bit here. He's found a way to not take the bait maybe as often as he did in the past. He, he has, and and again, see, and I and I, I saw this last year, how hard he would try, yep. and I'm sure after every technical, he comes back and he thinks and he's sorry, I shouldn't have done it. Well, it doesn't do you any good now. You're, you're suspended, or you're about to be suspended. He has been very, very good, and even though he has eight, I think they've. I think they, that he has been very good at not letting the officials get to him in a lot of situations. Because there are some times when he, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, here it comes. And he doesn't say a word. He complains. And, and certainly I think the officials are starting to give him a little more room to do what he does. But it's not this blackout. I'm just going to go off on a ref anymore. And, and that's good. That's good for this team, and that's good, especially when you start thinking playoffs. Playoffs? <laughs> We're going to need him down the stretch. Yeah. Yep.
Hey, let's talk about these next three. They're interesting to say the least. And here in Charlotte tonight against the Hornets, who are another sub-500 team, David, the game scares the daylights out of me, and you know why, because you're coming off of a big emotional game. You're playing good basketball right now. And I almost feel like if you lose this game tonight, it, it just sheds away the homestand you just had, the, the win you had, the, the boogie performance, all of it, if you don't win tonight. And maybe that's not fair, but that's just the way I feel. Well, it, it might not be fair. And, and I've been in that situation, too, when, when they lost to Atlanta. I said it wiped out the, the Boston win. But then I started thinking about it. No, not really. I mean, a two-on-one road trip is always, always, always good. And, um, and the fact that your big three are playing major minutes, they were tired. Um, you know, they let one get away. There's no atmosphere in Atlanta right now. So it's hard to be up. It's hard to get energy, which I was pretty proud of them for digging in after being down 17 and going to get that energy against Chicago. So, you know, again, you know, once I start drinking the Kool-Aid, they, 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 they seem to smack me with the Kool-Aid pack. So, um, but I'm, I'm all in on this one. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to come in here. They're going to take care of business. I mean, you pretty much slow down Kimba Walker, and there's not a whole lot more to talk about when it comes to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, and they're even talking about trading him, which would mean they're just – fire sale here I, I you know I don't I don't know where they go from there but um yeah I don't I don't think this one should be a problem okay there is that guy Dwight Howard by the way I say that cautiously yeah, yeah but yeah. again bigs you have to give them the ball for them to be effective and if they don't give Dwight Howard which has been a complaint of his most of his career yeah I you know he ain't gonna give me the ball and and there were times when he was on teams where I'm like dude he's open Get him the rock, and they won't. So, if Kim is out there gunning, who knows? Yep. Homestand this weekend, Houston Friday. Hello. And uh, Sunday, a matinee against the Clippers with a disgruntled Lou Williams and an overachieving L.A. bunch that's nipping at your heels in the playoff standings. This, is, I, this, this weekend could be fun at the Smoothie King Center. It could be fun. Uh, a Houston team that the Pelicans played not good, but really, really good. Uh, can they – match that they haven't shot the three ball as well as they were shooting it in that stretch uh as of late but um certainly a game they're going to get up for they get up for the big one so they'll certainly have a chance uh, the only thing i hate about playing houston uh is playing houston at home because the pelicans are pretty indifferent about being home <laughs> i don't know what it is but you know as well as they play on the road it seemed like their home record should be much better Unfortunately, is not. And then, of course, the Clippers, a, a game they kind of got to win. You know, it's another one of those tiebreaker situations. Clippers nipping at your heels. Um, but, you know, you said it. Disgruntled Lou Williams uh, didn't quite make the cut. Uh, neither did Blake, neither um, DeAndre. DeAndre yeah. You know, they're all looking like, you know, what's going on. But, um, you know, when I look at the all-star lineup, there's not – Many I would kick out for another guy. I might, and, and you look at Drew's numbers, and they're right there with anybody in there. Yeah. If Chris Paul's not getting in, then these other guys, no. Sorry. Well, and, and then you look at C.J. McCollum. 
I mean, he's a part of that duo up there. And, you know, there's some guys that, you know, you could make an argument for. I still don't think right now I would throw them out to put any of these guys on. I, I don't think so. We could do a whole nother, whole nother deal on this. <laughs> yes. I wish I, I had to open it up. Let me ask you this, and we'll wrap it up on this. The fact that Cousins and Davis are both all-stars and all-star starters, does that have an effect? Obviously, it has an effect on those two guys. It's something to take pride in. Does it carry over for this team moving forward in some way, form, or fashion, or is it just just an all-star nod? You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I was never an all-star, so I can't speak on it. You know, I was always proud when the guys that I played with made it to the all-star. I was really, really close and really thought I was going to make it one year, uh, but didn't. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, think it, I think it works the other way more so when the guy doesn't get the nod. Now he, along with his team, that thinks that he should have got the nod, now they're coming out to prove, yeah, you missed this one. Yeah. Um, I think it would work more that way than, than necessarily all of a sudden these guys have something else to prove. I'm yeah. an all-star, and I'm going to come back and play with a vengeance. We didn't even bring up three-point percentage in January. We did nothing negative today. This is a good thing, right? Yeah. I, I, I blew past, you know, talking about Houston. They're not shooting it as well. But, yeah, we did not talk about three-point shooting in January. Yeah, no, that's a good thing. And by the way, it was 31% for the Pelicans going into the other night's game. <laughs> they did shoot better from three against the Bulls, and it helped in the win. There's no doubt. With that being said, uh, have a great show tonight and enjoy the basketball. And I'll look forward to next week. Actually, we're – we're home for Wesley Wednesday next week, if you can believe it. Yeah, no, that's that's excellent. We don't do the game on Friday against Houston, but we'll be back on Sunday, and I'll see you next Wednesday. Sounds good. Daniel, from a, an undisclosed coffee shop in downtown Charlotte, we uh, send it back to you. All right, good stuff there. Looking forward to tonight's game between the Hornets and the Pelicans. More information on that game in our last segment. We'll take a break. We'll wrap things up. We'll hear from Sean Fazan of Fox 8 Sports. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. This Pelican season, the entire family can do it big with the Pierre's Party Pack, presented by Cheetos Popcorn. Pelican ticket packages are available for select home games and include three or more tickets, combo meals, Cheetos Popcorn, and an on-court free-throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $54. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is January 28th against the Los Angeles Clippers. For more information and to plan your next big night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. As we mentioned in our first segment, it is Senior Bowl week with the game being played on Saturday. Joining us from Mobile, Alabama is Sean Fazan from Fox State Sports. Hello, Sean. Glad to have you on again. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, no problem. Sean, right now, both teams are practicing uh, for two days after concluding their first practice yesterday. When it comes to NFL scouts and front office personnel, how important are these three days for the teams and the players? Very important. Uh, yeah, they, they have, you have your meetings with your potential prospects, and at this stage of the game, pretty much every team has a chance to meet with every prospect. This is probably the most prestigious when it comes to the uh, those kind of off-season, all-star games because it's, it is the Senior Bowl, and these are you know guys that were well-respected within their respective programs. This year, got a little star power with the, with the quarterbacks that are here, especially Heisman Trophy hopeful Baker Mayfield. Yeah, we'll talk about the quarterbacks in a little bit, but I want to go back to those practices. In some ways, are the practices more important than the game itself just from getting to know a player? 100%, and every player will tell you that to the point where there's been rumblings that perhaps Baker Mayfield may not even play in the game, just participate uh, in the practices. So uh, these practices, much like a, a joint practice in preseason for Saints, uh, they'll tell you that sometimes they're more beneficial than the actual game because of the you can manage the situation a little bit better. Uh, same thing here. Uh, you kind of get these guys in one-on-one scenarios. Um, you can kind of dictate uh, you know, the situation for the potential prospect uh, and how that you know, player responds and is able to handle it. So these practices probably are more important, and if you ask most of the prospects, they are more important than the actual game. How much one-on-one time do players get with NFL teams this week? Is there a certain allotment of how many they get, or do they, or do they get as much time as they want with any of these teams? Yeah, there's, there's, there's kind of an informal time. That's usually on the Monday when people kind of arrive here where it's one of those where you, if you see a player, you can grab them. And I, and I think that's pretty informal. You can, you can have them as long as you can. But for the most part, it's pretty structured uh, in terms of uh, how long of a, a time you get with a prospect. Um, I don't have the exact numbers, but it is pretty – you're trying to get a lot of guys in and a lot of teams want to get to talk to a lot of guys. So it's, uh, it's pretty stringent as far as that is concerned once the actual – Formal meetings begin, um, and uh, like I said, it's mostly every prospect here meets with just about every team, a representative from every team, whether it be a scout, a GM, uh, a head coach. Um, every every prospect can get that opportunity. Let's talk about the Saints and who they might be looking at this week in Mobile. You don't necessarily have to give me a player, but what positions might the Saints focus on this week at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, there's a there's a few guys here um, that I, I, I've taken a particular interest in now. Uh, the South Dakota tight end, Dallas Goddard, um, he actually is not at practice anymore. I don't know if he hurt himself yesterday or what, but he is he's officially uh, not on the South roster anymore. Um, but he was a guy that is very athletic, and the tight end position in particular uh, is something the Saints really have an inter- a strong interest in, just given the lack of production that they were able that they weren't able to get um, out of that position last year. If you're always in the market for a pass rusher, uh, you don't know what's going to happen with Alex Okafor. It's a free agency year for him. Uh, and, of course, there's also there's DBs here as well. So uh, a lot of positions. And, you know, the Saints have kind of made it their, their, their philosophy that they're going to take the best player available. So if, if it's a position maybe that they have depth at, but they think this player is, is good enough to, to, to be on their roster, they're, gonna, they're not going to shy away from taking that player. So... Just a few things, a few positions there that uh, I think the Saints could focus on. But as a, as a rule, the Saints have been pretty consistent with the fact that they take their best, highest-graded player available. How about some local guys to look out for this week, Sean, whether he's from LSU or Tulane or just a product of the city of New Orleans or around Louisiana? Uh, who might uh, we look out for uh, on Saturday? Yeah, well, DJ Chark uh, is a guy out of LSU, uh, six foot three wide receiver, got some size. Stood next to him for the first time yesterday. I didn't realize how big he was. And obviously has some speed to get downfield. A little inconsistent with his hands at times. Had a tough day early on yesterday. But 
uh, has a chance to make up for it. Christian Lockator, who has been playing a five-technique, three-four defensive end, who is a very underrated prospect. If you look at his stats, he had a great year last year on a defense that was obviously very good. Um, Greg Gilmore is another one. Uh, Darrell Williams, the Morero product out of John Eric, uh, he's a uh, an LSU running back that was overshadowed a bit his first three years uh, with uh, Leonard Fournette and even last year with Darius Geis. But check his stats, 800 yards, nine touchdowns, 23 catches. He's a player that's going to probably pick later in the draft, probably day three. It's going to have a nice, solid career just because he knows what he's doing. He's a very solid back that can do a lot of different things. And, of course, Tanner Lee, who I, I will say, I watched him throw a good bit yesterday, former Tulane quarterback, Nebraska quarterback, and Jesuit High School product. He can put the ball anywhere. Uh, he's got as strong of arm as anyone here. His college tape's going to hurt him a little bit just because he he struggled with a little bit of decision-making last year at Nebraska. But scouts are going to love his raw talent because he can put that ball anywhere. Speaking of the quarterback position, it's it's intriguing to me as well when the North team has Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield on the same team. How, how do those two handle as far as reps are concerned? You said Baker Mayfield might not play, but uh, how, what are you looking forward to the most as far as watching Josh Allen play? Uh, you know, with him, it's you know you, he's got to overcome that small school stigma. Looks the part. And I think that's kind of the feeling everyone had here. But you look at the reviews of his practice. I thought he was a little up and down, and the reviews have been kind of up and down yesterday. Um, he's a guy that that got a strong arm. It's all about accuracy. It's all about you know in 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 the NFL fitting balls into tight windows. And uh, it's just a matter of can he do that? I do know this scout. He, he's highly rated for a reason. Uh, scout's going to fall in love with him just because. He's a, he's a football guy through and through, but also he's at a position of high demand. So he'll, he'll get drafted high as well. Uh, one last question for you. As far as the approach to this game, I know with sort of exhibition games, it's there's a challenge now with players whether not to get injured but also want to play hard, especially with NFL scouts and coaches there. How do players nowadays approach this game? You know, a lot of guys, they, 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 they approach it with the mindset of this is my opportunity. This is a, opportunity. It's a drop interview. My opportunity to impress scouts with my football IQ, uh, to impress the scouts with my, you know, on-field play. And for a lot of guys, it's, you know, some of these coaches, it's not like they watch, you know, tape year-round on college prospects. That's up, up to the scouts. And sometimes these, these coaches get their eyes on these guys for the first time, and they kind of like, well, wow, let's go check his tape again. So it's just a matter of, it's all a part of the process, and it's all a part of, you know, sharpening their resume, so to speak, uh, and doing it against some of the best talent in college football uh, in front of one of the biggest audiences you'll get uh, at the Senior Bowl. So uh, it really is an interesting dynamic because there's a lot of different things happening here. There's, there's front office guys, there's DMs, there's players, there's college coaches, there's, there's agents of players, there's I mean, the Senior Bowl officials. It's, it's, it's really an interesting dynamic, and it's a – it's kind of fun the way it all kind of descends here in Mobile, Alabama. All right, should be fun on Saturday afternoon. The North and the South at the South in the Reese's Senior Bowl. That's Sean Fazan from Fox 8 Sports. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Sean Fazan, Fox 8. Sean, I appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your week in Mobile, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. All right, now we'll wrap up this edition of the Black and Blue Report. Again, a reminder, Pelicans and Hornets tonight from the Spectrum Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Tip-off set for 6 o'clock. Of course, you can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers, David Wesley, and Jennifer Hale. And on the radio side, you can listen on 99.5 WRNO. Sean Kelly and Victor Howell have the call. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you starting at 5.30 p.m. Central on Friday. We'll try to get a national perspective on the Pelicans and kind of look deeper into the All-Star reserves and the starters that were announced and see how this draft might go for the first ever All-Star game. 
that will take place in uh, without conferences. So it won't be East versus West anymore. We'll see what LeBron James and Steph Curry do as far as naming the All-Stars on their team. And, of course, we'll get an update on the Pro Bowl as John DeShazer is in Orlando, Florida, as we speak. We'll get an update from him and see what's going on between the AFC and the NFC, which will take place on Sunday afternoon. Hope you enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, wherever you may be listening to us. And until Friday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report.